0: I don't know, for me, that gets me going inside. That someone can get to the marrow of life that acutely and extract it and then present it to me in a way that I feel like I experienced it as they did. Like, mm-hmm. That's great writing. It is. Whether it's about golf or whatever.
1: Welcome back to the Golfers Journal podcast presented by Titleist, the number one ball in golf. My name's Tom Coyne. Thanks so much for joining us. I recently took a very quick trip out to Chicago, 24 hours, so I didn't want to check a golf bag, so I went with, I risked it, I went for the crapshoot that is the rental set, unfortunately for me, I lost that crapshoot. The rental set was not full of Titleist TSR technology, rather, uh, I, I did get a chance to sample one of those popular, other other popular drivers on the market. Uh, it gave me a lot of gratitude, gratitude for the TSR technology waiting for me back home, The thing that I missed the most, aside from the fairway, of course, uh, was the sound and the feel. And that's not just an accident. With the TSR, we know the technology that goes into the face to create all that ball speed. But it's the sound that was specifically engineered to create this, this beautiful, wonderful sound and this juicy feel that you get off the middle and sometimes not the middle of the club face. So it's that feel and sound. Get it for yourself. Go to Titleist.com. Make sure you get fit. Make sure you get the right shaft combination. And there are fittings going on all over the place this spring. So there'll be one going on somewhere near you. Uh, great conversation today with our good friend Matt Cheminsky back on the podcast. You might remember him from our pod about golf and philosophy, which was kind of a it's a sleeper pick for one of our most listened to episodes. Uh, Matt is fascinating. Listening to him, you will feel smarter, I promise. And today we get into the great story that he did for Golfer's Journal, number 23, who can forget this cover, uh, about none other than Bernard Darwin. uh, Getting into Darwin's family, his golf, his college. It's really fascinating stuff. Yes, the grandson of the Charles Darwin. And uh, we also get into Matt's visit. He did a great story about going to Marion and getting to poke around in the very cool archives they have there. So a lot to this one. And if you're watching it on the YouTube, on our YouTube channel, remember now you can watch our podcasts as well. Uh, we recorded this one right here in the golf which was really cool. Matt um, lives in the area, so appreciate his time coming over uh, and doing, uh, doing this recording with us. Just a few quick announcements. Speaking of Chicago... Flossmore, our Flossmore event, and our North Shore event. There are still a few spots left, so get in on these. We've got the south side of Chicago covered with flossmore. It's an absolute charmer. And, of course, North Shore on the north side, uh, a U.S. Open venue. They're hosting the Western Amateur about a week after our event, so that place will be absolutely on fire uh, when we get there. That's going to be a ton of fun. So two great golf courses in the Chicagoland area. The spots will not last, though, so please uh, get in there quickly and hopefully i'll be back out there and uh, get to see you at the event and also if you are watching on youtube you'll you will have noticed uh you may have noticed this handsome new quarter zip that i'm wearing with broken tea society down the zipper uh this nice lightweight cotton material not the sort of scratchy sport material that i don't love so much uh i haven't taken this off since i got it so the new Golfers Journal quarter zips available at golfersjournal.com. Check those out. Check, always be checking there for, for new merch and new new drops of cool stuff uh, that's going on there. So let's turn things over to Matt Cheminsky. Thanks again, Matt, for coming back on the pod and talking about what it's like when you're a Darwin and you become perhaps one of the greatest sports writers of all time. And yet somehow in your family, you're still the black sheep. Matt Chiminski coming to you live from the golf is here in Devon, Pennsylvania. Welcome back. It's not your first trip. Not my first. Yeah. Hopefully not the last. I I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. You were here last time to talk about uh, the, we talked about golf and philosophy. We did. Which was like a, actually a really popular podcast. It's awesome. You know? Against all odds. Shout out to me. To the Golfer's Journal listenership, yeah. uh, they're it's a high did, IQ I, bunch. Yeah, yeah, they started. They they heard Aristotle and they were in. He gets people.
0: He's the <laughs> marquee name. It is. <laughs> He's the it big is.
1: draw. It is a big draw. And we have another big draw today. Uh, we're going to dig in on Bernard Darwin, another Bernardo. Bernardo. Um, my favorite nicknames. Uh, seriously, that was great. I mean, there's so many things I love about the story in 23 um, that is titled A Possibly Misspent Life about bernard darwin um but learning his nickname was bernardo yeah was up there what were some of the fun things that in all your research that you were learning that you're like man didn't know that i was surprised that
0: the british of the, of that time the english of that time came up with bernardo but that just shows that i don't know them well enough fair enough they seem like a fun right? bunch yeah
1: yeah yeah that sounds more way more contemporary like hey yeah. bernardo <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but uh he was you know and uh when was he born 1876 I was going to say 19th century so um, another big name
0: of course Darwin you know and just the whole family set up and dynamic and they were interesting to find out just how accomplished they were you know and um, not eccentric but definitely to our eyes would be you know of interest yeah sort of a bit of an oddity if they were placed in Devon, PA right next to the coins
1: <laughs> <laughs> No, we would invite them over. Oh, you
0: invite them over, but you'd like look through your windows every now and then, wondering what old Chucky's up to with his worms and dirt and stuff. Yeah, you know, right. So know. that
1: was one of the cool things you allude to in the story is that the family, even aside from Charles Darwin, were really accomplished, mm-hmm. and that's sort of the backdrop that you set um, to describe like how Bernardo, you know, goes off on his own and essentially does something, takes on a vocation that doesn't actually really exist. Yeah, right. at the time.
0: yeah, so he's trained in the law at Cambridge and practices for about a decade and just feels all stultified by it, doesn't enjoy it. Yeah. And then um, the door creaks open so that he can start writing about golf on, on a regular basis. And then a couple more gigs came along and made it seem more viable. But there's this sort of like moment, right? Yeah. Where he, it, it's not sure at all. It's not certain in any way that it's going to pay off. Right. Um, and he's going to leave this certain career his Cambridge education to go right for this relatively new game on the scene. Yeah. You know, golf isn't all that old in England at that time and to write about it for your full-time job is, and, and he's newly married and kids are coming and yeah, but he had, it was enjoyable to learn just how, like how much gusto he had, like such a love for life and he's full blooded, which came out on the course as people recount
1: big <laughs> his temper. Helpers, yeah. big temper, big temper on the golf course. Yeah. And one
0: of his best piece, pieces is called um, "Jekylls and Hides," and he, he seems to have had that, not just in his game, but like his personality.
1: Well, let's talk about his pieces and their research, and because that was one of the things that struck me reading the story is, I'm like, damn, you know, how much Darwin did Matt consume? How much was he able to get his hands on? Um, well, first off, what drew you to wanting why did you want to write about Bernard Bernardo?
0: i kind of you know known the name and maybe read a, a little bit of him but um it's actually quite i don't know in ho- in house i guess it was two years ago i think maybe summer 2020 the uh black sprinter van of the golfer journal came to jeffersonville the van yeah, the yeah. van, and uh bearing one casey bannon you may have heard of him
1: it does it does shuttle casey bannon around from time to time foster as well
0: and uh at that time um after the J-Ville event, he and I had uh, dinner in Westchester, Pennsylvania, lovely Hamlet, um, <laughs> with Mark Warman. We were sitting outside, and Casey's like, "Would really love someone to take a crack at Darwin." And I'm like, "Really? I want to take a crack at Darwin." Yeah, he had this whole sort of vision. And I was really taken by it, and that kind of gave me the uh, the kick in the pants to really start moving on. I mean, that's years ago now at yeah. this point, and it's finally come to fruition in Number Twenty Three. Um, but that was like the the genesis. Um, or at least you know, the impetus to really start diving into Bernard.
1: Well, shout out to Casey. Thank, thank you, Casey, because it did turn into something really, really cool. And I love to hear the genesis of stories and also hear the, like, like the amount of time, you know, the mm-hmm. passes between, uh, and, and that's, I, I think that's interesting as, as a reader or a listener to, to know, I mean, um, and as an editor, you certainly know it because ideas that you kicked around, <laughs> uh, four and five years ago. Now, uh, you go back to them, or they finally show up in print. So, um, this one marinated for the for the right amount of time. Uh, so we say, all right, Darwin, you're interested. Uh, do you just start reading Darwin? You
0: just went on, uh, you know, Abe books, Abe books. Yeah, that's I forget about Amazon and used books everywhere, and. Um I mean, there's a substantial amount of his writings in print, you know, um, or that you can acquire, even if they're not being actively published right now.
1: Um, yeah, there's. I mean, I have under this coffee table, I have a a small selection. I mean, and this isn't. This was actually here. Bernard Dar- This. Yeah. One edited by Jeff Silverman. So this is you know stuff that's out of copyright probably, yeah. and um, and there seem to be like a lot of collections like that. Um, yeah, I, I'm just in case. We wanted to pull a little bit. I mean, the Darwin Ooh, sketchbook.
0: The Darwin sketchbook was a good one. So I'm, I want to get this right, but I think it's the classics of golf, yeah, the classics of golf this one's edited by Robert McDonald, and they have all sorts of offerings, and they were often forwarded by herb Wind
1: well, the classics of yeah. golf is interesting, right it was like sixty seven books or something um that Herbert Warren wind was involved, or did he start it um where they can't created like a golf cannon mm-hmm. you know yeah and wind and um wind and Darwin were buddies um so he does the forward in that book. Yeah, a
0: lot of them, and you yeah. know, a lot of similar ideas crop up in the different forwards, but they each add something different. And uh, yeah, um, and and with the um, golf courses of the British Isles, Ben Crenshaw writes the afterword. Right, so they get these names, you know, on the
1: one that's in the classic in the mm-hmm. uh, okay. yeah that edition from oh, wow. that
0: 1910 book that Darwin wrote, um, and that's great, of course, because not only him as a player, but as you know, Corr and Crenshaw. Um, as architect,
1: so. Yeah You mentioned that in the story It's a really good quote And it's actually mm-hmm. quite poetic What mm-hmm. Crenshaw says about yeah. You know how Reading Darwin makes you Want to run out and play Yeah That um, you like Can't get your shoes on fast enough or, Right Or it's th- I'm like Damn <laughs> Nice one Ben <laughs> uh, Yeah
0: Pretty good or You can spin it
1: So Alright so you're consuming Darwin What are you finding as you read Are you enjoying it Are you like This sounds old Or out of or Or sort of anachronistic or that's um, the enjoyment for me sometimes it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah um, no well we should say to start off that matt Cheminsky is our resident especially now that i've left academia matt <laughs> you are our, our academic oh, man. um so we do give you a sign ask you to do stuff like darwin and come on and talk philosophy and golf and um so the cerebral uh mountains to climb um you do so so well um and and this was one of those tasks so you did enjoy it
0: i enjoyed it thoroughly um it wasn't without its moments of like angst and real doubt um there was a moment in which i'm reading darwin and enjoying it as you as you're saying but then it dawns on me that this guy is the best ever <laughs> that's a good point and writing for the golfer's journal which not blowing smoke up anyone's killed but is the best on the scene right now and i'm like oh shit <laughs> right <laughs> like how am i gonna make this worthwhile worth the ink on the page because uh, it's the best in my opinion right the best uh golf writer uh that i've come across um and then for this publication that's top notch um So, but you got to push through that, as you know, and, uh,
1: yeah, no, that's putting in those terms. That's interesting. Yeah. That is pretty intimidating. And if you do think about it that way, you'll probably never write, not going to write a word. So you push through. Uh,
0: And even, um, I guess I can say right at the end of the piece, I have, um, portions of a, a talk I had with Wright Thompson. Yes. Who you're like, all right, well, here's another dude. That's
1: freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. And like better than me by far I don't like this ranking in betters and bests I'm just I'm you just are, putting you my, are you, know, you like, are you're in
0: my process of like total self not total self doubt
1: <laughs> I well that that is interesting artistically to like when people talk about um, try to rank books and writers and um, talk about bests and this because the the piece actually kicks off with Herbert Warren Wynn talking about Darwin a quote about Darwin yeah um about him being being the best golf writer, and if you're a golf writer, you know that every golf writer has to read him and every you know or every sports writer et cetera um and I felt a little guilty because I have read Darwin, but I have not certainly read as much as you um and probably maybe not as much as I should um so that sort of gets gets in your head, but that that question of you know goods and betters and and bests um it's an interesting one and i think as like right as you're saying where you rank yourself and sort of being self-deprecating about it i mean i'm the same way um i would be very i get very uncomfortable with any sort of um positive commentary i'm much more comfortable being critiqued uh and i don't know if that's sort of some some sort of safety mechanism or or you know um I, I should say, like, my I'm kind of like, I don't want to have
0: like a top five, top 10 list of golf writers, but I guess what I my my the experience was like, I'm reading him, and then you know, you just put the book down for a second, like, wow, that's really good, yeah, like, really, like, it's so good that I don't want to read anymore because I just want to like
1: sit with that, yeah, you
0: know, for until I pick it back up in a little while. But well, what
1: makes it so good to you?
0: Hmm he's just got he's got a way of writing where he he has some of this himself it's sort of self-deprecating but he takes it seriously but he wears the seriousness lightly which i always like um that you know it's golf and it's just golf but it's not just golf Mm -hmm. you know that we love it don't want to love it too much but we really do um and to express that through prose is really um Really impressive. And he he, he does have a line where he says, you have to let your excitement get into your ink as a writer. And he does that. And he brings you there. And he's like including commentary from like his friends that he's with on like the green sides as he's watching these matches unfold. And it's just very, it's very alive. Um, And before like radio broadcasts, even though he did do them eventually, like he's bringing his readers there and you can feel it and it's pulsing. But at other times it almost gets mythical. He's got this impression of Bobby Jones Winning at St Andrews, and it comes up in a couple different places. This image, but it, it does take on sort of this like mythic quality. Yeah, where like th- there's this black ring around the green, and it's the crowd, and then the putt drops, and they rush upon him and lift him up in Calamity Jane's in the sky. And <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't against hero worship in any way. It um, does,
1: yeah, and it's that's a great part of the story. Reading that 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 descrip- that description makes it into number twenty three uh and it's one of my favorite parts in the in the piece because you do get a flavor for he's creating myth you know Mm -hmm. um in this wonderful wonderful way which is a great sports writer that's trying to turn you know sticks and balls into something um that's bigger than us is you know uh I guess that's in some ways your job Mm -hmm. um when you uh when you can pull it off, and he he certainly seems to do that.
0: And it's like a founding myth in a way, too. It's sort of like, because he's there at the dawn, almost there at the dawn of golf in in England. Um, And for golf, you know, there is, he may, I don't know, does he start a golf literature itself? Maybe not, but he definitely brings it to a far more mature form. Yeah, for
1: sure. And I like that, you know, when you get to Wright Thompson in the end and he's talking about that, you know, what makes good sports writers, good sports writers that there's or there's there's different types, that there's sports writers who write about sports, and there's sports writers who just barely write about sports. And um and I, I was reflecting on that. I mean there's so much in this story that's interesting from a writer's point of view. I mean I was trying I was take getting I got a lot out of it personally, just learning about his life and the choices he made. Um it sounded so similar to so many people who's who who write for us. That that path of like Okay, I do something else for my day job. I started writing about um you know, I'm a lawyer and I started sounded like Will Bardwell for a second, Jay Revel, like you know that uh I have another job, but I started writing about golf and then I had the chance to do it for, you know, the the, the evening standard or wherever he started writing. Um and then it and then it becomes his full time job. Um and so it was just reminiscent of of the past that like a lot of people and like yourself, Mr. Cheminsky, as well. Um you know, uh, teacher by day, and also, and golf writer by day, as well. Yeah, Which was, uh, which was pretty, really interesting. But that comment of like, writers who write, golf writers are at their best when they're writing maybe just a little bit about golf. um, That was, I thought that was really, I I definitely identified with that. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's where so Wynn's comment about, okay, to be a golf writer, you need to read Darwin. Darwin read Dickens.
0: Yeah, you know what I mean? He, he, and I think mm-hmm.
1: maybe that that's like, okay, what's your secret sauce? Is that he didn't grow up reading about golf. Mm-mm. Right?
0: No. He grew know, up
1: that. reading literature.
0: Yeah. He's classically educated, lover of yeah. Dickens, loved the Conan Doyle, Sherlock stories, although he understood it was light reading and enjoyable yeah. you know for the for the yarn of it um but yeah and he would weave all that in to his right. golf writings um and it wasn't some sort of like snobby highbrow thing it was sort of like common uh common mm-hmm. language uh that his readers would have been familiar with all these sort of little snippets and references and maybe even latin phrases apparently he was pretty good at latin yeah um Which to us seem anachronistic, but at that time, rather, it's rather contemporary.
1: (laughs) No, Um, sure, yeah. uh, (laughs) Everyone would would have still been taking Latin. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's just I I was I really appreciated that because, um, like my background, going getting in, I'm like an accidental golf writer, you know, Mm -hmm. and and wasn't um, didn't come to golf writing through any sort of I don't know sports journalism or whatever, you know. Was an English major who liked to read books. So that that idea that okay, this guy was like a Dickens scholar, yeah. and and that's and that's w- what comes through. And you know that's how we learn to tell stories by reading great stories. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, certainly. Gosh, I think as any golf writer, you should read Darwin and be familiar and be inspired by him. Um, but at the end of the day, read great, read great stuff because that's what he he read. Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah, right. And
0: apparently he he didn't need some big grand room for his library. It,
1: it was just this sort of
0: he he could have like one bookshelf because he would like reread the same things is and love right? them so deeply. Wow! And knew them so well. So like when he's quoting these things, it's not like he's you know going through the shelves and having to find it. It might be from memory, you know. Wow! That he's throwing them in there, um, whatever from whatever story it might be. That um, is really interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, what about his family? I mean, so going back to. Charles makes a big splash um, And that's and that's apparently And and that's got to create this uh, Obviously create a lot of pressure You talk about in the story About how he does have memories So mm-hmm. Darwin The Darwin The original Darwin that, that we know Darwin The Darwin Darwin Would yeah. have been his grandfather His grandfather, yeah But he spent some time with him
0: Yeah, he spent some time Because um, his mother died tr- Very shortly after his birth and so his father, Francis, Charles' son, uh, wants to take little Bernard to his home to live with Charles and um, Bernard's grandmother. And so he does have some vague but but solid memories of Baba. Baba. Darwin. Grandpa Charles, Baba Darwin. <laughs> <laughs> and he has this, this image, of, this memory of taking a walk with him once. He does remember all the all the um you know all the circumstances of it but um it's stuck in his memory it was like this grand event he and his yeah. grandfather taking the walk over this field um yeah and so his his father was um trained as a, a medical doctor but didn't really practice as a physician he he really devoted himself to botany and would work alongside his dad and you know wrote, helped edit charles autobiographical writing so yeah yeah and his mother's side <clears throat> bernard's mother's side was welsh and so he and that's kind of in his mix right he's a he's a darwin but then he also has this welsh side as well um and i think you know that that involved that that influenced him regarding golf as well
1: yeah um, so th- like the golf influence maybe comes in from from yeah, francis welsh is side. introduced
0: to the game by his brother-in-law okay um and they're involved with you know the early development of the game and playing into flower pots and yeah. you know early golf course architecture early interests golf. as well and you know as much as you could do yeah
1: uh, with what they had at their
0: disposal I and mean, this is before there's golf early course golf architects in England
1: right yeah. okay so we're we're in England yeah, we're in England in Scotland it would have been certainly they would have been playing before but um, now that's that's how I was reading that it was really interesting reading as well uh not only a golf writer but an outstanding player, yeah, so he really does fall for the game and yeah. uh head
0: over heels from yeah. the
1: outset yeah um and has some has some successes,
0: yeah, he plays for Cambridge, he captains their team his yeah. final year there um, is part of the Oxford and Cambridge Golfing Society from the very beginning wins the president's putter yep
1: great uh, picture uh, of that great in, picture in the story yeah.
0: um yeah, so an accomplished player advances pretty far in the British amateur a couple times, semifinals twice. And um. now, when I read
1: that stuff, maybe I'm being small, and I probably am. <laughs> but I, there's there's a piece of me that like envies those <laughs> the folks who were playing golf when there were like 500 people who played <laughs> golf. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, all right, like. I've got to try and qualify it for the Philly Mid-Am mm-hmm. because there's five thousand people who want to play in it. Or two thousand or whatever, how many right. uh however many sign up, but there's there will be a lot of people who'd be, you know, interested in playing yeah. in that tournament, let alone US mid ams and all and all that. Um so it's interesting when you hear about you look at some of these fields and, you know, it's Darwin or Donald Ross's name is in there and you know, um, and you think you're like damn it would have been cool to play to play the open when there were like you know 14 dudes yeah. and it, when, as long as you had golf clubs you could play yeah. um yeah and but then you pick up their golf clubs like,
0: yeah shit i gotta play with this yeah that's true <laughs> yeah no but I, I get the point yeah
1: you know yeah. um not that not i don't want to take away that he wasn't a great golfer
0: Um, we can relate apparently had putting difficulties putting difficulties yeah like it was like contorted Herb Wynn talks about this Um, it just was completely unnatural and would go to any length to try to alleviate his putting woes but I don't know if he was ever able to expel those demons interesting well I was reading just the other day um, at one point I think he may have been playing with Joyce Weatherhead who he he adored as a player finest female player of the day and I think he may have abandoned his putter mid-round. Really? And uh picked up
1: a wood <laughs> and started putting with a wood. Back then they wouldn't have looked a whole lot different, let's be honest. No, but I I love that. Yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> Forget this. <laughs> Give me the driver. <laughs> he, well, he was a he was an he was an angry golfer. Yeah. Great stories. Um, but he was ahead of his time as well and you touch on the way he talked about length and the golf ball and technology and golf courses and and Mm -hmm. some of that sounded you know definitely it sounded ripped from the headlines yeah he he's
0: not an anachronism he's not just sort of some history piece under the glass he's as relevant today as he was in his own um which i think shows real greatness you know yeah that's Uh, a good point like we're all of our time we can all make commentary about the present game and you know some takes are better than others But the fact that his takes in the 50s and 40s and 30s are applicable to today, you know, you see that in like some others, like Mackenzie's commentary and Ross as well, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think one of the things Wynn says about Darwin's greatness is because this is Wynn saying that no one knew golf better than Darwin and maybe no one loved it more ardently than he as well. Hmm. So you put that combination together, love and knowledge, you're going to get some t- takes that some perspectives and commentary that are rather
1: perennial. Indeed, they are.
0: But yeah, yeah. And he says, uh, you know, even in his own day, like they're they're worried about stretching courses over seven thousand yards back then, which is crazy to me
1: to play a seven thousand yard golf course with those clubs <laughs> and those balls. <laughs> it's amazing. And I love the the section where he's talking about how he enjoys um, women's golf more mm. because they have to play brassies. Into greens, oh, what brassies they hit, he says, or something along those lines. Yeah, <laughs> and, oh, and oh, what brassies they do hit! <laughs> so when we're ta- a, a brassie, what are we talking about? A forward or or? Um, I wish I could tell you. Yeah, I've uh, looked it up; it hasn't stuck. Uh, it's not driver, but it's not it's not an iron. So, but he's like, hey, these you know, but the men are out there like tossing divots to the green and this, <laughs> and that, and the other, you know. Um, so he's low, you know. He's bemoaning them playing you know just having irons into the greens yeah. and, you know now today we're bemoaning everyone having a flip wedge into the green yeah um so the conversation is it's it's the same conversation just uh different words so it, but uh, it did
0: say something ought to be done to the ball not the course
1: that was really interesting mm-hmm. yeah that we're not we're gonna have to deal with the ball yeah not the golf course Which seems to like, me the easy answer well what did what did darwin love about the game, did he, or did he just love everything?
0: He seemed to have a great love just for life. Yeah, uh, and he loves sport from it from his earliest days. Just loves sport, um, rugby and cricket, and he writes a book on boxing and you know. So he lo- he lo- he loves just that arena, right? Yeah, you know the man in the arena a- at Eton. Um, he just enjoys watching the games that the older boys are playing, and there's sort of this nascent. Uh, boyhood hero worship, mm. that he thinks can be good. You know, looking up to these yeah. bigger lads, and you know they're they're pitting their their brains and brawn against each other. Um, so I think he loves that full-bloodedness of it. You know, it, that I and, and mean for all of us, like it's great just to have a venue where the these more maybe competitive and primal and earthy urges get mm-hmm. get a get an outlet. Whether it's football or rugby or lacrosse, <laughs> the first time my wife saw me play lacrosse, she's like, "Where did that come from?" <laughs> You're hacking away <laughs> at this poor fellow, and, uh, and it's all part of the game. Like this is <laughs> this is where it comes out. Um, so I think that's all part of it, um, and I think it reveals. And you see, you see this in his writings about Poppy uh, Jones and and others, but it makes me think mostly of his writings on Bobby Jones, like. He sees Jones' character in his golf, and um, a commentator on Darwin said his greatest gift was his uh, his empathy. Yeah, and he's really like, as a way of seeing
1: the character of
0: another, uh, revealed through his or her actions.
1: And that's such a gr- it's a great comment, and it's it it would be the great characteristic of any great writer, golf or otherwise, empathy and curiosity. It seemed like he had those things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what i enjoyed so much learning about bernard darwin was not 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 about him as a golf writer about just him as a as a literary figure um, as an observer of the world as a person who was able to watch people see what they do what they're doing and and posit a guess as to why they did the things that they that they did mm-hmm. and that's you know that's what every artist is is trying to do so it's almost like to put him in this golf writer box is, is sort of to belittle. Yeah. Um, not not belittle, but it just... It puts him in this category, and people put him in that category, so saying, okay, he was the best in that category. But that category is not um, particularly large. He belongs in a category with, you know, his heroes, mm-hmm. Dickens and a lot. And Wind credits
0: him as not just being a good golf writer, but a great writer and yeah. a great essayist and maybe... Wind Wonders, maybe one of the best English essayists of his time. Yeah, And another thing I appreciate, he's got the the insight, sort of the empathic insight into the character of others and and the atmosphere of a place and he's able to communicate that through his writing and so he's got a mastery of language that is necessary right, for great writers and a real delight in language, which Mm -hmm. I appreciate and you see that with Updike writing about Gov and Woodhouse and his comic stories which are hilarious. Um, They just delight in language and being able to craft something that people enjoy reading and that's definitely part of darwin he, he's asked by oxford university press to write the introduction to their dictionary of quotations and like he has a line about how much how much joy one of the chief joys of life is quotation which i'm like i don't know what you're talking about but um i'm glad you love them <laughs> which shows really his delight in language and other people's sort of sure. just pithy um, encapsulations of moments, yeah. Which great, great quotes do right? You're like, and, and I don't know. For me, I like guess me going inside that someone can get to the marrow of life that acutely and extract it, and then present it to me in a way that I feel like I experience it as they did. Like, mm-hmm. that's
1: great writing. It whether is whether it's about golf or whatever. And I like how you trace, you know, how we go from Darwin to Herbert Warren Wind, you know, up to Wright Thompson and sort of have this the story creates this discusses this sort of through line of um of of storytelling in sports. And it w- and I thought that was their relationship was interesting to me, Wind and Darwin. I guess they were they're separated by they wouldn't have been so Wind at some point goes back and to, goes to school at Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Um they wouldn't have been there at the same time. No, obviously.
0: Win's younger and definitely like looks up to him. Yeah, some of that hero worship again. But, um, yeah, so they're not contemporaries in that way. Um, but obviously, Win got to know him well got, enough. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think that was interesting. The piece as well. You're talking about, you know, Darwin stretches all the way from the Morrises to Arnold Palmer. Yeah, he dies yeah, the year, crazy. or he's born like the year after young Tommy
0: Morris yeah. dies unti- in an untimely way. And then, yeah, he's alive until 1961. I mean, you yeah, know? talk about
1: seeing it all. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's been stuff since then. But right. um, But if you're that,
0: looking at Palmer, Nicholas is ushering this new right. era of golf and televised golf. Yeah. Um, and what that's done. I wonder what he would think of.
1: What would Bernard Darwin think of golf today, Matt? From what I I mean, from
0: what I've read, he seems to start to sat, not I don't know if sour, but he's not as um infatuated with the high level game as it develops towards his later years okay. of professional golf. Um, as that starts to take the forefront and amateur golf starts to recede in its excellence and importance. Um and the fact that he, you know, he does, as you mentioned, right, he does start to really appreciate the women's game for mm-hmm. the way it's played and, you know, um, the way that the high-level men's game of his day starts to develop isn't quite to his taste. Although he's not dog- he's not so dogmatic that he would reject it wholesale. I think he would appreciate the skill, okay. you know, and the ability. Uh, but he'd be...
1: A- he'd be a purist
0: I think in he's a, a in a good way yeah and he's, he's a guardian of the game right he's RNA right, yeah. captain and parts of right, a, right. you know you know, he's formula he, he's shaping the rules of golf you know behind closed doors and uh, I think he wants to guard the true spirit of the game so I'm sure he'd have a lot to say I wonder to the present day game
1: I think he would too and he might not like it uh, well he wouldn't certainly I don't think he would like the shenanigans that are going on in the in the pro game mhm um and i wonder which makes you wonder like how many people who play the game are familiar are, are familiar with bernard darwin mm-hmm. how many do you think anyone who plays the game for a living has ever oh, read any Darwin? Uh, i mean
0: golfers alone <laughs> then you talk about professional golfers um, I don't know. they say I don't rory know.
1: is a good reader i wonder i uh, don't know
0: i was um I've I've told people I was writing this piece, you know, back in the summer, or whatever, and they kind of look at me askance, like, "Bernard Darwin," I'm like, "Yeah, Charles' grandson," and uh, Oh, okay, great, good for (laughs) you, right? Um, I actually told that to a group. um, So I was playing the Warren Course at Notre Dame this summer, and I was was playing all right, and uh, I was a single behind this foursome, and they weren't playing all right, and um, they were kind of looking back at me, they were slowing me up, whatever. I was just taking my time, and I hit a good drive, hit the green two putts par like hey do you mm-hmm. want to play through and I'm like it's got no. power move nice well done, well done. <laughs> I don't really want to as you do because I, th- I read somewhere I couldn't find it afterward but Darwin said something like there's one like one irrefutable law of nature regarding golf it's when you're playing through you're going to play poorly <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's no doubt about that
0: and somehow the golfer's journal came out I may have had my broken tee putter cover on and and one guy looked at it and he's like oh golfer's journal I just started to develop and then I hit my tee shot and totally Squirt it into yeah, the shit. I'm like, did. oh my goodness. I'm like you know, I'm writing this piece about Darwin, and he said the following. And I'm like, oh, I'm like I gotta get out of here.
1: <laughs> so still applicable today. It and still but come up in still your ch- applicable. In your chatter amongst your foursome.
0: Yeah, but also he's So he's relevant, but unknown. He is so, relevant. But and I was able to quote be red. Him. Should be read. Should be read. And he's not. He there's no sort of high obstacle to getting into him. Um, no, there's. You not know, not. he's They're very right. accessible. Take your time with him because it's just a delightful read. You know, you're not, you're not reading him to get through it. You're reading him to enjoy it and soak it in. And yep.
1: Um. And so you know, and I was reading as well when you're we talking about Darwin and that relationship with Herbert Warren Wind, an American golf writer um, who I think passes in like 2004 or five. So saw even more golf of of that you know as the golf world changes saw um, more after the six uh, 19 what year did Darwin 61 61 so wind lives another 40 years Um, but they both would have played Cambridge or you know played golf at uh, what we call the sacred nine Mm -hmm. which is a nine hole golf course where the Cambridge men's team plays or played or um and in my story, uh, upon the heath in uh, golfer's journal number 20, we're gonna say 22. Um, we went to the to the that nine hole golf course, um, Royal Worlington, and Newmarket, or also called Worley, um, and then or, or the Pink Jug Club or the Sacred Nine. It's got like it's got more names than holes, yeah, <laughs> um. But that was pretty cool to to hear and how much both of them loved that place. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you know, when when I I remember going there and really enjoying the golf course and trying to really put my finger on what made it made it special, you know, was it the sort of for me it was kind of the legend of of Darwin and 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 both playing there. Yeah. Just was so cool. Uh, most most for most people it's the it's the drink, the pink jug. Which is the story behind that I don't know if I put it in the in the story it's in there yeah is it in there yeah. about like they ran out of ju- booze and they poured it all yeah, they poured everything they could find in these cranberry juice jugs and drank out of that, and that became the logo of the club mm-hmm. um but so cool that they that they both spent time there and and loved that place so much um
0: and that's what they say about Darwin like like with books he loved playing the same courses,
1: right, and where did he play most of his golf was it was it? A, I mean there's imagery from in the story there's some imagery from rye i think um Mm -hmm. uh where did he play he played all over the place i forget he
0: belongs to a couple clubs you know throughout his years yeah
1: um
0: yeah but he appreciates those same courses over and over again that really you know again he's got roots there but they have roots in him um but he can appreciate playing all over the place yeah you know, as, as you see in the golf courses of the British Isles. But he was, does belong to a p- couple particular clubs, but I'm blanking on their names right now. Um, and he comes to the States and plays courses around here even and appreciates National Golf Links.
1: Likes National Golf Links? Uh, Goes Pine to Valley. Pine Valley? Has some <laughs> really funny words about playing Pine I Valley. I love that he's ta- in there talking about the fifth hole of Pine Valley. Fifth
0: hole of Pine Valley. Eternal perdition ought to be left for the Day of Judgment. Yes. For yes. Pine Valley. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I think he appreciates yeah. it. And he, he has this great line. He says, I, w- I wish I had it. I have it somewhere. Um, you know, the number that he's playing, he has no definite number of uh, his score at Pine Valley because he basically picks up his ball on one hole because he's just <laughs> ping-ponging back and forth <laughs> into different bunkers. Um, but he does think it's great. He thinks he thinks that course is great. I think, and that's,
1: you know, how? Many, yeah, I've picked up a Pine Valley. Um I've had those same feelings. I was, you know, just reading some Darwin recently and, you know, he's describing the high handicap plights of the high handicap golfer. And I'm like, this oh, sounds yeah. like something someone's, and you're talking about, you know, what you had just said about, you know, whenever you play through a group, invariably, that's the worst shot you're going to hit all day. Yeah. Um, even though you've been like bombing it so you can push them along, you're like, you're sure to hit a, a you know. Yeah, uh, dusty one. Yeah, so all that stuff is, what was so what's so great is that, you know he's writing in the 20s and 30s, 40s. It's all still,
0: yeah. It's he, the same thing. Yeah, he's got. Um, I guess these would have been common terms of the, of the day, but rabbits and tigers. Tigers are your like your sticks, and rabbits are your like mid to high handicap players. <laughs> he has this it. whole bit. It's great. You he got, he got. He's got this piece on um, architecture. You now sometimes architects want to make it easy on the rabbits, so the course is playable. Right. But the rabbit might get insulted by that. <laughs> he's like i don't want the safe route (laughs) you know you're insulting like getting over that you know that hero shot over that bunker could be the highlight of my day yeah even if i scrape by by an inch that's awesome rabbit don't
1: be a rabbit be a tiger
0: but if you are a rabbit before there even was a tiger but uh yeah that's how tiger became uh, tiger
1: (laughs) (laughs) maybe his old man was reading darwin maybe no there's a a different story
0: (laughs) to that but but I, I liked it because he has sympathy because he's a good player himself. And he has sympathy for the rabbit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't 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 make it too easy on him. Like, That's don't the don't insult the rabbit with your your easy route. You know, give him some fun too, some suspense.
1: Fair point. And there's so many things from golf's history that are kind of fusty, and old, and and and, and crusty, and not terribly interesting. Bernard Darwin is not one of them. Not one um, of them. The stuff that you read, his stuff, and you're like, this sounds like. The foursome I've been in or the guy the, the people I play with and um, it's relevant it's interesting and uh,
0: it's interesting I mean the fact that he's a player and, and a writer and so he's not just the writer right he's the person and you yeah. want to get to know Bernardo as much as you can through his prose and the stories about him and I mean one of the greatest ones is that he plays in the first Walker Cup in 1922 that's so cool National Golf Links and shows he shows co- up to cover it could you imagine
1: this is again that moment where I'm thinking damn it I wish i was doing this when fewer yeah. people played golf because right. i'd get an assignment and they'd be like coin grab your sticks that's right because you're the only one that has golf <laughs> clubs here um but uh that's so that's so and great. he's playing. He's, yeah. we met and right and jones is there and chick evans and yeah he's going there to write about it someone gets but he's on he's on the, his the alternate Ill, as well yeah. and the captain gets ill
0: and Bernardo Bernardo Grab your sticks First Walker Cup First Walker And NGLA NGLA And they have footage Damn. So you can see like His goofy grin And big really? ears And
1: he's there He's and... having a time of his life Yeah
0: It's that old uh, the, the way the golf swing shows up And the old footage is great Yeah You know <laughs> How quick it Yeah you know, yeah The pace. <laughs> it's yeah um, That is so cool And he wins his singles match Right He did With He got WC. smoked in doubles Yeah I think it was like 8 and 7 Yeah Something like that yeah, been there, And then he may have won three and two I can't pronounce I can never pronounce it The Oakmont family Founds, phones. It's phones That one
1: It's phones so um, And I didn't know that Until I My first trip to Oakmont Okay And I said Oh Mr. Founds," And I was quickly <laughs> Corrected But once you realize Remember it's phones That's It's like Oh know. telephone there Easy go. I got the image now So but he beat phones How about that It was like three and two They're or not something. gonna like to hear that In Pittsburgh <laughs> <laughs> they're going to wish we mis- mispronounced it
0: And I think he started off poorly And then rallies and Yeah he does Seems to love match play
1: That's so cool And
0: he actually criticized So it's like a, It's both a compliment And a criticism of American golfers Even back then That they're very concerned About their number The score I mean, He's like very much about the match Which I appreciate Love uh, that but, And
1: check See that coming all the way around To like The creation of a place like a hoopie Yeah no par on the card. Wow! No one, ca- and in fact, I have a coaster in the other room on which that I got at a hoopie, on mm-hmm. which it says, "No one cares what you shot." It's like the slogan down there. Mm-hmm. Nice, and um, and I love that. Right? No yeah. one cares. It's not golf. Originates golf is about matches. Yeah. You know, that's the way the game's played. Uh, you know, but it's he does think that that's um, that's a factor that makes the American player better in the end. Ooh, right? So
0: this is this is you know because they're playing against not... old
1: man par yeah or I mean, or the bogeyman at that yeah, time yeah at that time
0: he thinks that in the end they're becoming better they're getting better because of their concern with their number cuz every stroke counts ah. so this is me like i i i like, to th- like he's not this dogmatic sort of like this is the way it is yeah. and this is the only way that's good in golf he's got a sensitivity and a, and a deftness in negotiating, you know, the advantageousness of this way of playing, but also saying, you know, there's something to this as well, even if in the, on the whole it might not be the best way of playing. It still has its advantages, and he's there for the American invasion of players, you know, to the British right. Isles, and he sees this before him. um But yeah, I mean, I, I just this past fall played a match, and was just we were, the guy I was playing with is like, we're just gonna play a match, and it was great. Yeah, you know.
1: It was, re- yeah, you know, the same thing. We were just down at a hoopy recently and played matches. And you know, if anyone asked what you shot, you couldn't even tell them if you wanted to. Love it. You know, how'd you play? You know, well, did you win your match or not? That's mm-hmm. all. That's 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 all that matters. Yeah. Um. So cool. So we big thanks to you for bringing Bernard Darwin to the Golfers' Journal. Um. I'm happy and, for the and chance. If I did him justice. And, uh, did you ever? Um, and, and and really rose, as you said, that is a challenge. You yeah. know, writing about the greatest golf writer, writing about writers is 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 tricky, and it can really mess with your head. Um, but you definitely you rose to the challenge. It's a, it's a, it's a great piece. It's not the only piece you've written. You've written a number of of stories for us at this point, um, and hopefully many more. Uh, hopefully. The Marion story was was super fun. That was fun, yeah. I you thought. rained out um was that your first time at Marion
0: my second okay second yeah
1: Rained out, hanging out which is not a bad place to be stuck not a bad place especially when mr capers is about and i hadn't known him until then yeah legend i I know that now legend yeah Yeah, absolutely so he's the caretaker of uh Marion's archives which are fantastic magical and and you and you got to dig in what was so just tell us what was the best thing Best thing you saw in there.
0: I love the letters that they had hanging on the, the first room that you enter with the fireplace and
1: little library there, bookshelves. And this is wood, it's this wood is like
0: what you would depi- you would imagine, like Marion Archives, hardwood, panelling, yeah. Uh, old silver trophies behind glass, uh, that you can barely read the etching on. Um and then there's some letters, you know, uh one from Herb Wind. Really, just the you know presidents or people at the club saying thank you for having me, or I had a great time, and yeah. so Nicholas and Palmer, but it's a couple from Bobby Jones. Nice, and he insisted as uh, John Capers was telling us, he insisted on as far you know as long as he could uh, signing every letter that went out under his letterhead, and so as you go from left to right with those letters, the script gets uh, you know sort of looser and looser. Bobby Jones, script. yeah, Bobby Jones script because of the disease that's affecting him. Oh my gosh! Um, and so, as uh, Mr. Capers said, eventually he is signing letters uh, by holding onto a tennis ball with the pen right. fitted through the tennis ball, and it just shows that grit and determination that Darwin highlights so well. Um, and so that really stuck with me, he, um, you know. And you get wow. the story of the Wickers, and you get to see a lot of you know USGA event. Um, know paraphernalia and they've kept meticulous records of pin placements and scorecards and Mm. you know you're holding hogan's you know three wood and feeling his grip as he wrapped it with this little ridge running down the back oh yeah um and you see the scorecard of him winning there in 50 um So, yeah, it's just a magical place, Um, and that's why I tried to capture in the story as much as I could, you know, try to include imagery from, like, Narnia and pushing through the wardrobe, and, you know, or being in Hogwarts, and the stairs are moving of their own, and there you are in in the archives, and, you know, I was playing, I had, talk about squirting drives in places you don't want them to go, I had a case of those (laughs) at Marion that day, and
1: The he uh, drives. Not good. Not
0: good. Especially when your caddy's like 150 yards that way, oh, and no. uh, you 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 feel bad for him.
1: Right. Yeah. They're four caddy on every hole at Marion. <laughs> like oh I used to. I used to caddy for a dude. It was so sad. He when you go four caddy, he would ask you to also leave the seven iron, <laughs> and, uh, and you, your heart just broke. You're like, oh, dude. That's, that's well, so sad. Yeah, but then you're can't... also glad because you're like, I'm not walking back, man. Yeah. Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> that's where I was and then after the the the, you know the thunder delay we come back out and the sky is gorgeous and and you know it's getting close to you know the sunset and whatnot but so we we go into the break uh, the the thunder delay the weather delay on the 10th and then we come out and we finish that whole but when we get to the 11th the Bobby Jones hole yeah uh, he just hands me the four iron
1: And You're like, no, no, I figured it out. No, Mary. no, I'm, I'm like, were... yeah, good call, good call, because then I put one
0: in the middle of the fairway, put it on the green, and I'm like, let's just, I'm trusting you. There you and go. Things you can go around. around
1: marrying with, with yeah, you can hit a lot of four irons of marrying if you yeah. want to. Yeah. You know.
0: Uh, but that sure, that was I'm a not. great time, being up in the archives. And and then just a couple of days later, I'm like, man, I should just turn this into something. And indeed you did. That was great. Send it to Travis, you know. And,
1: and that's how it works. And then another piece I just want to touch on, uh, a great essay. People should go back and check it out. Uh, not in the book, but uh, one of our—I fr- think one of our earlier, d- when we started doing essays digitally—the—the uh, the Cobb's Creek oh, yeah, reflection on you know when you're out there. I think it was like one of the last days at Cobb's, October 2020.
0: Yeah, when it, right before it shut down.
1: Yeah. um And so I bring that up not only because it's a great story, but there's been some news. I don't know if you have you been following the developments. I saw there was some news recently. There'd been like some good news, some bad news. I mean, I would, we were down on oopie, a hoopie, got to talk to Gil and, and Jim Wagner, who um, are very involved. Mm-hmm. And um, and Jim was expressed his, you know, at that point, um, it was more bad news than good. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were struggling with... Um, Basically, city was, governments and c- boards. C- and like city gov- yeah. there it was it was there was some bureaucracy <laughs> they were struggling with, which I think has been the story. I think they've raised a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um all the pieces seem to be in place to basically turn what you know, one of Philadelphia's, you know, original public golf course, um, that has an incredible history designed by Hugh Wilson, whose only other course is Marion, Marion East. Yeah. Um only other lone soul design. I guess he did some work at Seabiew too, but um you know, so it has that history, incredibly hissh- important to African-American golf. Um, shares the creek with Marion. Shares the creek with Marion, right? That's 11th. Cobbs Creek, right? Um, uh, Marion goes down to what,
0: when I was playing at the last time, was the third at Cobbs. Yeah, that's right. You know, uh, that's Cobbs Creek. And then when I was there playing those final rounds, that green was just, um, you know, you had veins opened from yeah. the overflow. Yeah. The flooding.
1: Oh, well, that, that green is washed out a hundred times. Yeah, I know. So but that's it's such a great hole. It, it's an awesome hole. But that's, you know, what they have to do. I mean, it's not just a matter of, I mean, it's a major, major project. Because, I mean, you're moving water, you're rerouting stuff, you're, you're doing- are doing Yeah, work, Which is huge
0: infrastructurally. And,
1: so there's, the, it's a huge project. But recently, I guess there was some good news that the city, the art commission mm-hmm. signed off on it.
0: Yeah, they they made headway with the arts commission, which yeah. had been a roadblock.
1: Which I guess is in, it's interesting. You don't realize that the arts commission is in Philadelphia signs off on every building in every park or anything that's done in any park. Or what? What? Why I are get they even that involved? far into the weeds? Yeah, to, to yeah, yeah. The, the, it, the weeds. God, because Jim was even was telling me, you know, that they're they're having these debates with, you know, the city of like we we're trying to do this, we're trying to do that, and the city's not even entirely aware that it like it owns the golf course or that it owns that you know like it's not like well why are you coming to us They're like because you own it well no we don't yes you do you know like <laughs> it's like talk about you know the levels trying to penetrate so many different levels yeah. to get anything done yeah. um in in that kind of um bureaucratic arrangement not easy not but yeah the last news with the art commission signed off on it there were objections in the neighborhood um there's you know there's fear of of the gentrification and the mm-hmm. um you know what what's this actually going to mean uh for the neighborhood but uh i think it's just going to mean great things i think that w- this is more than what they're doing is m- much more than a golf course they're turning two golf courses into basically one and a half um but with a huge teaching facility and after after school programs first tee first caddy t- programs woods foundation uh you know the woods foundation getting involved i mean just which is uh, huge Imagine absolutely huge that is. Imagine him
0: coming through. Yeah. For an opening or around? I guess we can talk round. about. Yeah.
1: Is, is that, that official?
0: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is now. Um, no, but but so, so I was at Marion a couple Foundation weeks ago. And, get yeah, they they made it at noon. Uh, oh, they did? So okay. I was I was uh at Mary and Baby back in November. And oh, the they Cos- were talking Cos- about Cos- the Creek Foundation was talking about it. And the Tiger Woods Foundation That's great. signing on, so yeah, I guess because, it's pretty I mean, public.
1: Yeah, the idea is that yeah. you know the, the the Woods Foundation has a huge facility doing know, the programming in California, yeah. but now they'll have their their next one will be here. Yeah, I mean to have that. Well, um, there's the Charlie
0: Sifford connection, right? And the Charlie, yeah, because Cobbs Creek was Woods. huge,
1: to, or for Charlie Sifford, um, you know, the first place that Arnold Palmer ever played with a black player in competition. Oh, is that right? In Cobbs Creek. I yeah, they used right. to have the Daily News Open. Yeah. Um, where he, uh, I guess it's so it's three, four, five is the hole with the creek running straight through the middle. Um, Apparently, that Jim Jim Wagner said that's going to have to change because of well, the creek got so wide there just there was nowhere to hit it anymore,
0: and those trees were overhanging. It, it wasn't a, much it of an was option. It was a split conflict. fairway. Yeah, it, <laughs> went from, it wasn't I, really all that split because you could only go one way because the trees were hanging over the right side. If so you've much. never seen it,
1: it's a par four. With a creek that basically runs diagonally from the lower, say the lower left to the upper right. Okay. Like splits the fairway that way. Um, but over the years the water, you know, the creek got wider and wider and wider. The trees on the outside grew over and over and over. Yeah. So there was just nowhere to hit the ball. Yeah. Um Yeah, it was like you just literally hit and hope and try to land it on something about Some, the size of Like solid. a dinner plate. You yeah. Know? And, and uh so yeah so we'll have to do some work there but I yeah it should be that's what it should be right yeah. um the uh but i think arnold palmer called that uh like the toughest part for in golf or something <laughs> or, or like some there was some hyperbole yeah. some palmer hyperbole associated with it though so great history so good things happening there and may they continue to because it's not just going to be great for philadelphia uh it's going to be great for golf um and you mark my words, that will be well, they keep pushing it they since they've announced u s opens through nineteen through two thousand seventy nine it sounds like you wonder uh if Cobbs would get one, but um they're gonna get something they're gonna get something special start corn ferry start l p g a and uh, yeah no they're gonna yeah. they're gonna have real real stuff going on there, which' it's gonna be, be awesome. really, really cool um matt, you're the real stuff.
0: Thanks Tom this, this room is the real stuff
1: uh, Yeah dude It's it's so great to be Recording here on the couch Absolutely um, In the shadows uh, You know we can look up And see some of the people We're talking yeah, about There we go Got some uh, There's Johnny McDermott There's Ben Hogan There's young, and young Tommy Morris There's Talks young about him. Tom Arnie There's Bobby there. down there Mr. Jones uh, And my daughter ve- Very um, astutely pointed out I have a We're talking about Above me a banner painted mur- mural of uh my favorite golfers and um caroline pointed out dad where are the women and um so i she has drawn she has drawn a babe didrickson nice that is going up here nice she was That's babe awesome. Didrikson for her uh um historical character uh-huh. you know that you could write a report and, and nice. play in school and so um, I
0: joyce Weatherhead then too
1: There you go. the Darwin connection. I, you know, didn't know, had heard of Joyce Withered, but uh, it was cool to learn a lot more about her. And Uh, you can
0: find her swing. You can find video of her swing. It's really
1: impressive. Someone posted that recently. It it was pure. Yeah. That was good. It's like one of
0: those, I guess it was some sort of project, some sort of publishing outfit. And they had like the board behind them with like a graph. So maybe like amateurs could try to copy the move, which I would copy her move. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah. It was simpler then. Awesome. Matt, you're the best. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Tom. This was fun. Thanks for listening, everyone. And if you enjoyed this episode, we strongly encourage you to become a member of the Golfer's Journal. Or if you already are, to please share it with your friends. As a reader-supported publication, we couldn't do it without you. We also couldn't do it without our partners, and they are, of course, Titleist, Scotty Cameron, Footjoy, Link Soul, Links and Kings, Charles Schwab, and BMW. See you next time on the Golfer's Journal podcast.